Well, hello, Hope City Church. Hope you're having an amazing day so far. Uh, we appreciate you being here. My name is Jason, and I'm the pastor here at the church, and uh, love getting to see your face, seeing a lot of new faces today, seeing a lot of faces I haven't seen in a long time. It's just good to be together. I also want to say hey to everybody in our family service in the Next Gen Auditorium. Uh, love you guys over there. And also, everybody who's watching online, uh, we have every week hundreds of people who are either watching live or on demand go back and watch it. And so, just want to say hey to you. Uh, it's been crazy. 2020 has been crazy, but uh, we are still a church, one church, one family together in all these different formats and all these different ways, which, by the way, is a great time to just plug and to show our appreciation and say thank you because I want you to help me with this. They're not in the room right now. They can't see you, but they can hear you. They're behind us in our tech room. But, but can we say thank you to all of our tech team? <laughs> Working so hard. Uh, we throw, we, we, we give big asks and impossible deadlines and they pull it off every time. And, uh, and so thank you to everybody back there who is working right now, everybody on the cameras, everybody everywhere sending out this signal so that we can be one church. Just thankful the technology allows us to do this, that wherever you are, we can do this together. And uh, as long as we need to, uh, we'll continue to, to provide all these different ways that we can uh, be a church together. So today is a big day because we are doing a five for five. How many people have been here when we've done a five for five before? Who's been here for a five for five? Next week, uh, I'm starting a brand new series called Truish. I'm really excited about it. We're going to take six weeks and talk about um, truths that are too good to be true, things that we hear, culture, things that culture tells us. We're going to look at what the Bible says and, and things that kind of we've just absorbed or picked up that we just kind of assume are true, but they're not true. They're too good to be true. So we're going to talk about that for a couple of weeks. That's going to be a good time. And so this week, before we start Truish, we're doing five for five, which is something we love to do around here. It's five speakers for five minutes. Yeah. Five speakers, five minutes are going to give you their best five minute sermon. And one of the reasons I'm excited about this week's five for five is because um, we're going to get to hear five voices who have never shared in a five for five before. So brand new voices for our church. And um, none of them are pastors. None of them are preachers. Uh, they are uh, Christians. They love Jesus. They're church members. They're husbands, dads, daughters. But we really believe, I hope you know this, we believe at Hope City, like this is not about me. It's not about our staff. It's not about our pastors. We believe that the church, God puts together the church uh, with you and your gifts so that he can build what he's building. It's God's church. He's using you. He's using us together to do that. And so we believe that Christians should be able to open the Bible and be able to explain what God is doing in them and saying to them. It doesn't mean you have to preach it in front of a room full of people, but it does mean that as God is, is changing you and, and shaping you, that you can articulate that. And so today, these five people are going to have a chance to do that, to share with you what God's been saying to them. So I'm going to encourage you to lean in. All right, we're going to lean in. We're going to we're going to we're not going to lean back. We're not going to, you know, not pay attention. We're going to lean in because I believe that if you're listening, God's going to say something to you. God's going to speak to you. I believe that. And here's what I also know because I, I get a chance to speak a lot is that a preacher loves encouragement. A speaker loves encouragement. And so we're going to encourage today because you preach better when you, when, you, when you believe that what you're saying is landing with the people. All right, so you may have grown up in a church 
where you weren't allowed to talk during the message. But that's not Hope City, okay? We talk during the sermon. And so one of our favorite things we like to say around here is, that's good. That's good. good. Why don't you go ahead and practice that right now? Come on. That's good. That's that's good. That's good. Then you give me something. That's good. So good. We do a lot of so goods around here. So good. So good. Amen. Come on. I like that. All right, so, so we're going we're gonna to talk back, we're going to encourage, and we're gonna, it's audience participation, all skate today. It's going to be a really good time. You're going to get to hear five messages from five amazing people. So are you ready? Yeah. You're not? Are you ready? Okay. Awesome, 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 awesome. Okay, well, our first speaker, we're going to start it off with a bang. Uh, it's going to be a good time. She's one of our students in our student ministry. Uh, she also serves on uh, our online church team in so many different ways. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Miss Brianka Wilson. Hey, Ho City, how are you guys doing this morning? So school started back a few weeks ago, and this year brought a special surprise because you parents actually kind of went back with us. Guess when they say what goes around comes around, they aren't lying. Um, I don't know about you all, but school has always stressed me out. And one of the things I've always hated is on the first day when the teacher asks you, what are your goals for this school year? My sassy inner little girl, my first reaction is, girl, I just got here, don't even know your name, slow down, please. And then I go on to getting annoyed and stressed out, and I'd find myself asking why I was letting it have such a huge effect on me. It wasn't until a few years ago that I realized it wasn't setting the goals that was stressing me out. It was the fear that I wasn't going to be able to achieve them. So then I'd set really easy ones like make a new friend or get good grades so I could feel accomplished at the end of the year. But what I was failing to realize is that the feeling of accomplishment was feeding into something else, feeling in control. I'm sure I'm not the only one who can agree that being in control gives me a a sort of adrenaline rush. I feel empowered, independent, worthy even. But what happens when I don't have control? Does that make me any less worthy? See, control can become an addiction, and I am an addict. I find myself searching for every opportunity to have control, but eventually I run out of opportunities, and I'm left with the fear and stress of the unknown. I go searching again for temporary relief, and once again I'm satisfied, yet in my searching what I'm failing to realize is that I am running in circles, chasing something that I will never have. If you don't remember anything I say today, please remember this. You will never fully be in control. But that is a gift, not an obstacle, not a burden. See, God knows who you are and has called you to a life of greatness before you were given a name. Psalms 139.16 reads, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. He knows the holes that will plague you and just how deep they will go, but what he also knows is how and when to fix them, and his timing is always perfect. When you don't know the answer to your questions, you go search it up on Google, right? Well, why is God any different? God is the ultimate search engine, and he is begging you to search him over. And unlike Google, your results will never come back unfound. So if all you have to do is look to God for the answers, then why don't we do that? It's because we're impatient. Oh, he's taking too long. Who are you to question God? The same God who created everything in being. This God who you're so quick to beg for favors. See, God could have you beat, but he isn't like that. He promises to cross the finish line with you, not ahead of you. He is waiting on you, so have patience with him. 
Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 reads, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Well, I don't know how to talk to God. My child, he says. Speak, and your, my attention is fully yours. Surrendering him does not have to look like one specific thing. It's more of a feeling of coming to peace with the fact that he is the only one who will forever know. No matter how you come to him, he is there. And you don't have to fear that you've missed God because you missed him once and he returns because he never actually leaves. God does not abandon. I know you're so used to having to compete for the things that you want, but you don't have to fight for God. When it comes to your relationship with him, he is 100% yours. In the song we're going to sing in a little bit, Reckless Love, it says that God leaves a 99 for the one, and in your story, you are the one and the only one. Lately, it seems like everyone is depressed, anxious, and angry, and I think it's because for the first time, or maybe for some, the first in a long time, we all feel lost. So many things are going on in our world, and it seems like nobody has the answer. But God is calling you to step out of the lives you've been living and step into his euphoric reality. For so long, we've been convinced that there is no greater than mankind, yet we knowingly release and hide from the fact that we are created by God, that everything we are is due to his grace, and without him, we are nothing. You are nothing. God, you do not have to challenge him. He knows, and he is ready to provide for you in any way you need him. So in the moments where you feel unseen, silence your mind and feel God's hand on your heart. When you feel lost, look his way and you will find direction. When you feel like you're drowning, accept his hand and let him walk you across the waters. God is always whispering to you. It's up to you to decide when you're gonna listen. Yeah. Let's go. Man. Brianka got 15 minutes of sermon in five minutes right there. Yeah. That was strong. You'll never fully be in control. This is what I, this is what I wrote down in my notes because I'm trying to lean in. You'll never truly be in control of your life, but that's a good thing because God wants control. I want to give God control. Thank you so much for that, Brianka. That was so good. Are you ready for number two? Okay, okay. Number two is going to be my sons. I have two little boys. This is going to be their favorite speaker of the day because Uncle Mike is their favorite, all right? And so Mike Lankford serves in our Celebrate Recovery ministry, serves on hospitality, and uh, is just a blessing, blessing to have at this church. Will you put your hands together for Mr. Mike Lankford? Years ago, before making my commitment to Jesus Christ, I thought, I'm going to lose all my friends if I do this. But through fellowship of the saints and being around other fine people, fine Christians, I have found my loss to be small and my gain to be great. After Jesus returned to his father, the early church in Jerusalem began to face troublesome times and perilous events. In their nation, there were protests civil unrest, hate groups, riots, and rebellions against their government, which would end in a civil war. The early church had many reasons to break fellowship and quit going to church. And yet the writer of the book of Hebrews admonishes the church to not give up on fellowship. Hebrews 10.25 says, And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming back is drawing near. And I believe it is. 
Fellowship brings focus to our Christian lives, and when we focus on something, it becomes the center of our interest or activity. And fellowship or coming together has the following benefits. First, it causes us to focus on our spiritual health. As humans, we are made of three elements, body, spirit, and soul. And like the human body needs good physical health to pursue life, liberty, and happiness, our spiritual bodies need good spiritual health to pursue eternal life, freedom in Jesus, and the blessings of God. Good spiritual health involves three areas of our life, our faith, our hopes, and love for God and others. The Bible tells us it is impossible to please God without faith in him. We must continue to believe that he is a rewarder of those who sincerely seek him, and he will draw closer to us if we draw close to him. Our rebirth in Christ can only come by grace through faith. Jesus has told us plainly that there are many mansions in his Father's house. He is preparing a place just for us to be with him. Does your heart burn with even a little compassion to join him in a beautiful eternity? In 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul tells us to comfort and encourage each other with the hope of resurrection. And lastly, the foundation of the Christian journey must be love. John reminds us that if we love our brothers, Christian brothers and sisters, it proves that we have passed from death to eternal life. And also, John says, anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Fellowship helps us to keep a health check on our spiritual bodies in the areas of faith, hope, and love. Secondly, fellowship allows us to focus on Jesus so we can be more like him. It helps us to have his heart's compassion for others, to know his mind and plans for us, and to be his voice in a lost and dark world. Jesus tells us if we truly follow him, we will keep his commandments. But he is humble and gentle, and the burden he gives us is light. As long as I don't see my own inner tendency to be self-absorbed, materialistic, lustful, boastful, unloving, stingy, and more, I'll find it much easier not only to surrender to those tendencies, but to justify them as well. The more we focus on Jesus, the more repugnant sin and wrongdoing become to us, and he becomes a good role model and accountability partner for us. Finally, fellowship gives us opportunities to serve. The Apostle Paul writes in Galatians 6.10, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to our Christian brothers and sisters. And he also writes in Galatians 6, 2, share each other's troubles and problems, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Serving means looking around to see who is alone, who may need a friend, and who needs encouragement. It can mean inviting people to sit by you or offering a friendly greeting to make them feel welcome. It can mean checking on and caring for those who need someone. It means providing support and care for the hurting. The church is not a human invention. It was founded by God to allow us to gather together as the family of God, to be a community of redemption, love, acceptance, and transformation. 
let us not forsake this opportunity to join together in fellowship. God bless you. Yeah. It, it always means a little more when someone doesn't just preach a sermon, but they say something that they live. And I've watched Mike live those words that he said. This is what I wrote down in my notes. We need each other. We need fellowship. We need the church. Don't try to do it alone. Christianity is not a solo sport. We need each other. We need each other. So, okay, are you ready for number three? We're, we're off to a great start, but it's time for number three. And our third speaker is Allie Lankford. Her and her husband serve as elders at the church. She serves in a million different ways, but her claim to fame is every hope story. Somebody says, I walked in. And Allie grabbed me and said, hey, and smiled at me. And so, uh, yeah, she's our secret weapon. So put your hands together and welcome Allie Langford. All right. I got five minutes, so here we go. I've been following Jesus for roughly 10 years. And throughout those 10 years, I have gone through seasons where I felt very close to God and other seasons where I've felt distant from him. If you've ever felt distant from God or you feel distant now, you know what it's like. It's been weeks since you've attended church or watched service online because of your kids' busy sports schedules or a pandemic. It's been months since you opened your Bible because you just don't get quiet time alone anymore. Or it's been years since you prayed because you just don't know what to say to God. Life often gets in the way with our relationship with Jesus. If that's you, I want you to know that God's not mad at you. He's not disappointed in you. He doesn't keep track of how many times you go to church or read your Bible. And he certainly doesn't choose not to answer your prayers because he hasn't heard from you in a while. He just wants to hear from you. During times in my life when I felt distant from God, one of the hardest things to do for me, or the hardest things for me to do is pray. So I want to give you, but I believe it's so important because prayer bridges the gap between us and God. So I want to give you three ways to pray when you feel distant from God. The first way to pray when you feel distant from God is to pray how Jesus taught us to. In Luke 11, Jesus tells, tells us how to pray. It starts in verse 2. He says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who sins against us, us and lead us not into temptation. This is commonly known as the Our Father or the Lord's Prayer. And oftentimes, whenever I don't know what to say to God, I kind of do my own version of this prayer. It sounds about like this. God, you are holy and wonderful. Help me to always desire heaven over earth. I trust you, Lord. Let your will be done. Give me what I need for today. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to forgive others and help me not to give in to temptation. If you're having trouble praying, I would encourage you to go home and write out your version of the Lord's Prayer and start there. The second way to pray when you feel distant from God is to pray Scripture. Praying scripture is powerful. Some of the most uplifting things people have said to me when I'm going through a hard season is by quoting scripture. If you look up in your Bible or your Bible app or even Google encouraging scriptures, you'll find ones like Jeremiah 29 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Or Romans 8 28. And we know that God causes everything to, to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Or one of my favorites, because I deal with anxiety, Philippians 4, 7, which tells me that I can have peace that surpasses all understanding. About a year and a half ago, I found myself in a very heart-wrenching season. 
My uncle had passed away suddenly and I was hurting and didn't know what to say to God. But scriptures like Psalm 34, 18 are there to comfort us. It says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. During hard seasons, I use scripture and even worship music to pray. Did you know that many of the worship songs we sing are based on scripture? Uh, songs like The Blessing. I've been singing and praying this one over my children recently. It comes from the book of Numbers, chapter 6. It says, May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. During worship, one of our worship leaders referenced the scripture in Matthew 7 that the song Build My Life is based on, that we are going to build our life on a firm foundation, build our life on bedrock, like the scripture says. So turn on some worship music and, worship music and start praying the words of the songs. The third way to pray when you feel distant from God is to pray in community. We are not called to do life alone. We are called to community. The Bible says that where two or more are gathered in his name, there he will be. That is why we are here today. That is why we do what we do at Hope City, why we have growth groups and hope teams so that people like you and me know where to go and know that we don't have to face things alone. We have people out there surrounding us, praying for us. We can't seem to get the words out. So let's recap the three ways to pray when you feel distant from God. Pray the Our Father. Talk to him like he's your father. You are his child and he just wants to hear from you. Pray scripture. Write on your mirror, on your wall if you have to, to remember God's promises for your life. If you, if you, I'll never forget when I was having my third miscarriage, a friend in my growth group looked at me and said, Allie, it is by his stripes that we are healed. I held on to that scripture and my, the girls in my growth group continued to pray me through that hard season. And number three, pray in community. Surround yourself with fellow believers who can lift you up during tough seasons. It was so good. That's what I wrote down. When you feel distant from God, talk to him. Pray the Lord's Prayer. Pray scripture. Pray together. That was so good, Allie. And Allie worked in like five plugs for the things happening at the church right now. <laughs> Growth groups, serving. You're going to have a chance to sign up for growth groups today when you leave, by the way. A hundred or so of you already have. So amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, that was our third speaker. Are you ready for number four? Man, this is going amazing. You, got, you guys are preaching back real good, too. So keep that up. Come on, give me a that's good. That's good. All right. Our fourth speaker is Craig Monahan. Craig uh, has served in so many different capacities over the years at our church. He's, I think his family's been here about as long as my family has. Uh, in so many different ways, he serves on our worship team. He serves with our students in a lot of different ways. You're going to love this. Put your hands together for Mr. Craig Monahan. I'm going to move this up a little. I want to be closer. All right. Uh, let me start off by say, telling you about my friend Bill, okay? The first thing that you need to know about Bill is that his name's not Bill. And the second thing that you need to know about Bill is that we all have a friend like Bill, okay? So let me tell you about Bill has a big heart. He is kind. He is nice. He is a good friend. But every single time you ask him the question, Bill, how's your day going? You get an answer like this. I just don't know how I'm going to make it through today. Or, you know, besides my life falling apart, everything's great. 
See, you laugh because you know Bill in your life, okay? You know that person. Well, what I'm going to present to you is not a cure for Bill. Uh, I'm going, I'm not here to offer Bill a magic string of words like a Harry Potter-esque spell that's going to fix everything, mainly because that would be ridiculous, but... (laughs) Harry Potter jokes. I, I know. Um, but what I am going to tell you is about th- uh, three ideals that we live by in the Monahan household, okay? And those of you all that have lived in the Monahan house, you have probably heard these things said aloud because we say them all the time. It is a Monahan creed, and it goes like this. Good things happen to us even when bad things happen. Good things happen to us. Now, you're going to say, man, that's pretty simple, but it is way more complex than you think. And so I want to break it down for you. Ideal number one, good things happen to us. This comes from a verse in Matthew 6 where Jesus is assuring us that we are well taken care of. He says that if God cares about the stupid birds and flowers, how much more does he care for us? He wants good things to happen to us. Okay? In Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, for I got plans for you, son, and they are plans for you to prosper and to be safe from harm. See, if you believe in the premise that God is in control, then you are forced to accept the concept that good things happen to us because God is in control. Now, ideal number two, bad things happen. I don't need scripture here. Bad things are going to happen in life. Why we live in a flawed world. You don't need me to quote your scripture to say bad things are going to happen. All you need to do is turn on the television and see Fox News or CNN telling you all the bad things that are going to happen. Okay? I'm done with that one. Idea number three. Even when bad things happen, good things happen to us. Now, right here, I could easily quote Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good, but I would rather quote the Rascal Flats. <laughs> for God bless the broken road that led me straight to you. Now, I don't recommend you basing your salvation on country music or really subjecting your ears to that twangy torture, but there is a wonderful biblical truth in that statement. See, if we hold to our faith that Jesus and our belief in God, that he orchestrates our well-being and that God's mighty hand of providence is always present in our lives, every bad thing that we go through is designed by the same creator who designed the stars in the sky and that also consequently designed the ostrich, that weird bird, okay? See, God orchestrates these things and he designs the events in your life that lead us to the point for the best possible situations for us and our family to be obtained, In the Monaghan house, we speak these words aloud, and we speak them often. We speak them aloud because Proverbs 18.21 says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. See, these, the words that come out of your mouth directly correlate to the life that you lead. This is what my friend Bill needs to hear. This is the concept that he needs to get through his head, okay? Because the words come out of your mouth, and then they come into your ear, and that's how you remember them. That's how it process. That's why your mouth is here and your ears are here. So it goes out, comes back in. See, we also speak these words aloud, and we speak them often in our house. Now, why do we speak them often? 
because we're going to forget them. All right. It happens every single week. I'll come home, and I'm going to tell Kristen about my day, and she looks at me and goes, Craig, good things happen to us. Even when bad things happen to us, good things happen to us. And you know what? There are times whenever she comes home and tells me about what's going on in her life, and I'm like, babe, babe, don't worry. Good things happen to us. Even when bad things happen, good things happen to us. Thank you all. Yes. Yeah. Turn to the person you're sitting beside right now and just ask them, are you Bill? Are you Bill? Don't be Bill. So good. Good things happen to me. Even when bad things happen, good things happen to me. That's life-changing right there. You need, to, you need to put that on your mirror, on your windshield, on your, I don't know, where? I don't know, put it somewhere. On your phone. Good things happen to me, even when bad things happen, good things happen. That's so good. Thank you, Craig. We got one more. Are you ready for number five? We, we, we did not save the worst for the last. No, 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 no. We saved the best for the last. Jesse serves as our leader for our Celebrate Recovery ministry. Anybody in here connected to Celebrate Recovery? Anybody, anybody, anybody? All right. We, uh, she leads our Celebrate Recovery ministry on Tuesday nights, does an amazing job. It's been amazing over the last, like, I don't know how long it is, seven, eight, nine years, six years, somewhere in there, walking her walk, walk through the door, see how God has transformed her life and the way that God is using her now. Will you put your hands together and welcome Mrs. Jessie Stuck. Good morning, Hope City Church. So we're just going to dive right into the super uplifting topic of disappointment. <laughs> I know you guys are super excited about that. I mean, come on, raise your hand if you have never been disappointed. Nobody? I didn't think so. The fact is that we are all going to experience some dis form of disappointment in life. It may be that your parents have let you down. You have a broken marriage or a broken relationship. You're not as far in life as you expected to be. You're single. You don't have kids yet. At some point, we will all be let down by unfulfilled expectations. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon writes about his experience with disappointment when chasing the things of this world, like pleasure, wisdom, and wealth. Keep in mind that Solomon is considered a very wise and wealthy king. So he starts off by indulging in pleasure, the good things in life, as he calls them. How often do we search for happiness and joy in the good things of this world? I know I spent a lot of years just indulging in pleasure, chasing possessions, happiness in those things, finding the next bigger, better thing of this world, devoting too much time to broken relationships, trying to find happiness and companionship, I wasted a lot of time partying and surrounding myself with the wrong types of people, just having quote unquote fun, indulging in pleasure. But all of these pleasures only brought me short-term happiness, along with a lot of shame and guilt. So at the end of Ecclesiastes 2 verse 1, Solomon says, but I found that this too was meaningless. Next, he compares the wise and the foolish he realizes that no matter how much wisdom you gain or how foolish you are, we all come to the same fate. 
we all will die. You are going to die at some point. I am going to die at some point. I know that that sounds a little harsh, but heaven is our home. We are meant to long to be with Jesus. So after comparing wisdom and foolishness, Solomon says, this is all so meaningless. Of course we want to seek wisdom. Learn, education is great. We need to learn all we can. But don't be foolish. But regardless of either one of these things that you are, eventually both are going to lead to disappointment. Then he tries his hands at wealth. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. Are we noticing a pattern here? Everything in life is meaningless, which can be a little discouraging if you think about it. So if everything in life is meaningless, where do we find joy? What is important? So let's take a look at Luke 10. Verse 38 through 42. This is a story about two women, Martha and Mary, that Jesus went to visit. Verse 38 says, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into their home. 39 says, Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. Then listen carefully to verse 40. It says, but Martha was distracted. Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and to help me. Then 41, the Lord said, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. There it is. That's your answer. If you're looking for peace, if you're searching for happiness, if you want fulfillment in life, you can have it. But it's not in the things of this world. It's right at the Lord's feet. Make no mistake, Jesus does want us to experience pleasures in life. God created them for us. He wants us to have an abundant life. The meaningless things that Solomon uh, talked about, like companionship and wisdom, they're not all bad things. But at some point, we all end up like Martha. We overindulge, and we become distracted by things of this world, and it takes us away from Jesus, which always leads to disappointment. But Jesus said, Mary has discovered the only thing that matters and it will never be taken away. We need to be like Mary. We need to sit at the feet of Jesus, and we need to listen. We've got to stop chasing things of this world, the quick fixes, trying to control everything. True life and fulfillment comes from laying our lives down at the feet of Jesus. This is the life that he wants for you, and this is the life that I want for you. Thank you, guys. Yeah. This is what I wrote down in my notes. Worship team, you can go ahead and come on up. Don't be distracted. You'll only find what you're looking for in Jesus. That was so good. So good, Jesse. One more time, turn to the person you're sitting beside and tell them. One more time, tell them, don't be Bill. Be Mary. Tell them, don't be Martha. 
Be merry. I'm going to look to Jesus. It's so good. So, so good. One more time. Can we thank these five speakers that spoke for us today? They made it look really, really easy, but it's harder than that. And, uh, and so, man, just an amazing job. God used each one of you. And what I love about preaching, I, I do a lot of preaching, but I listen to a lot of preaching. And what I love about preaching is the power of God's word. It doesn't matter what language it's in. It doesn't matter how long it is or how short it is or who says it. It doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit takes the words of God and in some form or fashion, the way we need to receive them, he puts them into our heart. And so I could stand here and tell you about all kinds of things and sermons that God used to shape my life. And I can't even remember who the preacher was. And I don't even remember all the details about the message, but I remember a line. I remember a statement, a thought. And today you have had the opportunity for God to speak to you in at least five different ways. And maybe six months from now or six years from now, you won't be able to remember who the speakers were or what the topic of the, of the sermon was, but you'll remember that was the day that God challenged me. That was the day that, that God showed me this. That was the day that I realized the truth, and the Bible promises us the truth sets us free. And so my prayer for you, we do this so that, for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons that we do it is so that you'll have the opportunity for God to speak to you in different ways and that your life would be different. It may not be different when you get in the car right after church, but if you will allow the words of God to go down into your soul, they haunt you in a good way. They won't leave you alone and they begin to change your life because that's what the Holy Spirit does.